Hello, hello, lovely listeners. All of you ghouls and goblins. And everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda and Emma. Hello, hello, and welcome, everyone. Hi. We're talking about blood this week. Hell yeah, we are. Blood talk. Lots of blood. (laughs) Lots of blood. It's because we've seen Squid Games recently, and there's a lot of blood in that. There's so, so much blood. It's so much trauma. We just watched the Marble Game together. Oh. Traumatic. It's a game Emma and I will not be playing as partners. No, we will not. No, no spoilies, but uh, it was truly upsetting. Truly traumatic. <laughs> but let's start this episode off with me revealing a very vulnerable side <gasps> to myself. Oh my god. So my first ever email address, you know, like back when email was just becoming a thing. Yeah. Because we grew up age of the internet. We did indeed. My first email that I had all by myself was kittylovestwilight at (laughs) (laughs) gmail.com. Loves is L-U-V-S, by the way. Just me stick that one in there. Mine mine was um, save D whales. But I didn't realize that the D made it just look like saved whales. <laughs> the whales have been saved. She saved. did it, folks. I saved them. It was all me. You're welcome, whales. At Comcast.net. At Comcast? <laughs> yeah. Damn, you were a dinosaur. <laughs> so Kitty loves Twilight. Yeah, I did this because I fucking really liked cats and I really loved Twilight. There's been like a Twilight renaissance going on. Which I appreciate. I have... I haven't watched any of the Twilight movies during the Twilight Renaissance. Well, that's a crime. That's a war crime. Well, chain me up, officer. (laughs) But I read, like, I read all the books. My mom even bought me, like, hardcover copies of the making of of the first movie. Mm -hmm. So, like, I knew all the details and would spout them when I rewatched it. That's impressive. Many times. I do know a shocking amount about the films. Yeah. I mean, they're art. They're art. At least the first one. The first one, art. The rest of them, art in a different way. (laughs) Art with a question mark? Art? Were you team Edward or Jacob? Oh, Edward. It only, it makes logical sense. It's the only logical thing. And Jacob literally forced himself on Bella, so I don't... Fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah, team Edward all the way. I just needed to stick that one in there for past Zelda. (laughs) But all of this is to say is that when vampires became super trendy a few years ago, I was really on board with all of these sexy bloodsuckers. But, you know, that's all fiction. And today I'm going to be telling you about the very real story of a girl named Mercy Brown, who was suspected of being a vampire. I love this story. So this vampire incident happened way back in 1892 in Rhode Island. Side note, I don't think we talked about Rhode Island on this podcast before. I don't think we have either. The reason this case is so well known is because it was very well documented and it was one of the last big events to happen during what we, we in the biz, called the New England Vampire Panic, which happened at the turn of the century. The Twilight Renaissance is a new <laughs> well, it's our version. We're doing it. What's the opposite of panic? Because I'd call it a vampire seduction. Disco. Of, of vampire disco. <laughs> I like that. Panic one. is disco. <laughs> The key people involved in this incident were all members of the Brown family, George, his wife Mary Eliza, and their two daughters, Mary Olive, Mercy Lena, and also their son Edwin. The Brown family lived in Exeter, Rhode Island. George was a farmer, Mary Olive was said to be a seamstress, and Edwin worked as a clerk in a local store. So they were a family about town. Hmm. Unfortunately, most of the Brown family would meet a tragic end, dying of tuberculosis, which was known as consumption at the time. The classic. What a great way to die. (laughs) A horrible way to die. It's awful. You get skinty. You get skinty, you get beautiful. Terrible way to die. 
During the 1800s, tuberculosis was one of the leading causes of death in the United States. Symptoms included fatigue and coughing up blood. There wouldn't be a cure for tuberculosis until 1943 when Salmon Waxman discovered a compound that would keep the disease at bay. Before that, physicians would recommend their ailing patients eat, rest, and exercise outdoors, as well as a bunch of other home remedies, which were rarely successful, as people who had contracted the illness had an 80% chance of dying. Love that. Love that for them. Those are bad maths. I have a fun tuberculosis fact. I'd love to hear it. In this day and age, you can carry tuberculosis for many months before showing symptoms. So right now, you could have tuberculosis. Same with rabies. Rabies you can have for also many months and not know until symptoms show up and then you just die. Fun facts. Are they fun? Yes. Are those fun facts, Emma? Are you sure you know what fun means? Do I need to get you a dictionary for Christmas? I think they're fun <laughs> and awful. <laughs> well, speaking of awful, let's talk about the death of pretty much an entire family. Alrighty. Mary Eliza, the mother, would be the first of the Brown family to succumb to tuberculosis in 1886, followed by eldest daughter Mary Olive. A few years later, Mercy and Edwin would also become ill. Mercy Brown died in January of 1892, when she was just 19 years old. Edwin was sent away to Colorado Springs to recover, but came back even sicker. Whispers began to spread through the townsfolk. In those days, people really didn't understand germs, and they thought the Brown family had been cursed, or that one of the dead family members was causing Edwin's illness. Mm -hmm. Before we continue, let's do a little crash course on the history of vampires, because they used to be quite different from the creatures we know of today. In the past, vampires, and we are talking Eastern European vampires, by the way, which makes me think we should do a world vampires oh episode. Oh my god, yes. 100%. Eastern European vampires were quite literally the undead who would crawl from their tombs and suck the life force from a living person. Classic. Good sound. <laughs> If you like reading and lesbians, I know I like both of those things, you should read Carmilla. It's one of the oldest vampire stories out there. There have been adaptations, and you know there's even a YouTube miniseries that's done kind of vlog style, but the original is on the internet. You want to read about lesbian vampires? Who doesn't? They're great. The OG's a pretty good read. I had to read it for a horror class. 10 out of 10. Back then, it was less about blood sucking and more about general life force taking, and vampires had to return to their tomb during the day, where they would again become a dead body. Historically, there are a bunch of fun ways to stop vampires from rising and sucking the life force from people. New England had a bunch of immigrants from Europe, so these myths and superstitions probably came from there. There are many folkloric beliefs on ways to protect oneself from vampires. The most common seem to be a prophylactic, which basically means preventing the recently deceased from becoming vampires in the first place. Mostly these measures happened during the first burial, but it wasn't uncommon for bodies to be exhumed if bad shit was going around downtown. Exhumed bodies were examined for evidence of suspicious activity linked to vampirism. Ruh-roh. So knowledge of decomposition wasn't super great, and so many normal signs of decay were taken as evidence of vampirism. An example would be burial conditions. So if the body was buried in the summer, it may decompose faster than one buried in the winter. Or airtight coffins may also delay putrefaction. We now know that intestinal decomposition bloats the body, which can also force remaining blood into certain places like fingers, toes, and even your mouth and lips, mm -hmm. making a corpse look like it had recently drank blood. Because, you know, that's where the body's yeah, blood is that, going. That we know checks. this now, but back then it's like, was that close second? You know, I'd be, I'd be a little freaked out if I found a corpse that had blood in its mouth. I would be mildly unnerved. 
No, it would definitely be horrifying. Yeah. But we know now why. We know now. We know now. But, like, back then they were like, Oh, oh my shit! God. Fuck, fuck, fuck. fuck. Mm-hmm. The most widespread belief in vampire protection was to stake the body into its grave, literally pinning the vampire to the earth so that it was unable to roam and complete its little vampire tasks. <laughs> little tasky tasks. Little tasky poos. Archaeologists sometimes still uncover bodies that have iron rods stuck through their chests. And according to a recent study by forensic anthropologist Matteo Borini, the remains of a woman who died from the plague in Venice, Italy during the 16th century might be the oldest remains with evidence of a vampiric burial. The woman was buried with a brick in her mouth, which Ooh. was a popular burial method in the Middle Ages to keep the vampires from coming back and biting, I guess. It's actually how I sleep every night. <laughs> with a brick in your mouth. With a brick in my mouth. <laughs> can't talk shit with a brick in your mouth. No, you can't. Love me a good snooze with a brick <laughs> in my fucking mouth. <laughs> Other methods of keeping vampires in their graves include decapitation or burying the body face down. Which I think would just be funny. Imagine waking up and you're buried down and you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> Happened again. <laughs> they would also stuff the mouth with other things, oftentimes garlic. Hmm. Because we all know vampires hate garlic. Clearly. Well, I was super curious to see where this vampires hating garlic thing came from. And the answer is pretty cool. And it's something you're very passionate about. Really? Mm-hmm. What is it? So the short answer is rabies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there's a th- yeah, so there's a theory that the strong odor of garlic is really abhorrent to creatures with rabies as part of the disease involves a hypersensitivity to olfactory stimulation. Spanish neurologist Dr. Juan Gomez Alonso found correlations between devastating rabies outbreaks of dogs and wolves in the Balkan area during 1721 and 1728 and the vampire epidemics that happened shortly after. Folkloric vampires were described as snarling and slobbering, much like how a person with rabies would act. Rabies is also transferred through saliva, so that's probably where the biting link came from for vampires. Patients with rabies, they've done tests, they don't like looking at themselves in mirrors because ocular stimulation also freaks them out, so that's why vampires don't like mirrors either. We're seeing links. We're making historical links. Look at that, all the facts coming together, Mm -hmm. making sense. Okay, so now that we're all vampire historians, let's get back to Mercy Brown. Pop on back. It was a cold morning on March 17th, 1892. Assorted townsfolk and Dr. Harold Metcalf had gathered at the Chestnut Hill Cemetery. They were not there to mourn. They were there to dig up the bodies of Mary Elizabeth, Mary Olive, and Mercy. It had taken considerable convincing, but as his son became sicker, George Brown decided to agree to exhume his family's bodies to see if there was any evidence of a vampire. The Marys were dug up first. Their bodies had decomposed, and all that was left was bones. Then it was time to retrieve Mercy. Accounts differ as to whether she had been buried or if she was kept in a crypt until the ground was less frozen and a grave could be dug, but the sight of her body as the lid was lifted off her coffin terrified the townsfolk. Mercy was lying on her side, face flushed, and it appeared that her hair and fingernails had continued growing. When a gravedigger prodded the body with his shovel, it was discovered that blood was still in her heart and veins. Despite protests from the doctor, the villagers of Exeter proclaimed there was a vampire in their midst. They built a pyre and carved out Mercy's heart and lungs and turned them to ash in the flames. Then, according to superstition at the time, 
they mixed these ashes into a tonic which they gave to Edwin to drink, thinking that the defeat of the vampire would help him become well again. Unfortunately for everyone involved, Edwin passed away two months later. <laughs> Unfortunately for everyone involved, Edwin passed away two months later. I couldn't keep it out of my voice. It's so tragic. Rip. Rip in peace, King. Oh, my God. What did they think would happen? He served him his sister's ashes. He died two months later from fucking tuberculosis. <laughs> tuberculosis, which is not caused by vampires. Mm-hmm. You know that about corpses, right? Your nails and your hair keeps growing? Well, no, it actually doesn't. Oh, those this, shrinks around you. Yeah, your skin shrinks and it kind of looks like they've grown when it mm-hmm. actually hasn't. It's one detail in movies that I often notice and it really bugs me if they don't, if people are like, their fingers and like hair still grows. No, no, it doesn't. It your skin like shrinks. Still growing. Your skin loses hydration and shrinks. Science. Which, sorry, Rhode Island, you didn't know. You didn't know. <laughs> 1800s. So even the town doctor at the time had his suspicions about the state of Mercy's body. I'm sorry, I just can't stop thinking, look at the state of her body. <laughs> look at the state of her body. Is it me on the lifestyle, sweetheart? <laughs> even the town doctor at the time had his suspicions about the state of Mercy's body. She had died during one of the coldest months of the year, and it had only been two months since her passing. So you and I know a lot about decomposition. So we know that the hair and the nails, Mm -hmm. skin shrinks, that's why that was happening. And the cold climate probably kept her very well preserved. For sure. But like, like, fuck medicine and logic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't need it. That's a vampire. That's a vampire. That bitch a vampire. I don't need, I don't need any other proof. She's a vampire. Let's burn her and eat her ashes. It's the only logical conclusion. That's the next it's, step. It's so logical. There was even a doctor present who was like, um, uh, guys, I, mm-hmm. guys, 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 <laughs> guys, come on, guys, guys, not again. The come villagers on. are like, bam, 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 <laughs> we're gonna save Edwin. <laughs> Edwin fucking kicks it. <laughs> he probably died the more he thought about drinking his dead sister's soup. Yeah, um, gross. I don't think I'd. Like, go on after that. <laughs> just gross. That's, it's just gross. It sits with you. I doubt it digests well. I feel like he was very ill. Remember the cinnamon challenge? <sighs> yeah. Choking on your dead sister's ashes. It's my new favorite pop punk song. <laughs> you sneeze out the ashes. Oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> just snort lines like cocaine. That's what he should have done. That's what he should have done. Just snorted his sister. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm cured. Oh, God, I feel so invigorated. Need another hit. (laughs) Give me another hit, bro. (laughs) Stories of the vanquished vampire Mercy Brown traveled far and wide, and for a time, Rhode Island was known as the vampire capital of America. Bram Stoker, who famously wrote, you know, Dracula. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, he wrote it in 1897, and when he died, clippings from the newspaper of Mercy Brown's case were found in his belongings. (gasps) Hey, Mercy, little influencer. Yeah, scholars believe that he based the character of Lucy off of her. Oh, very cool. Which just, like, shows how big a fucking deal digging up this girl was. Mercy is not the only vampire from Rhode Island. Mm. I mean, there's probably a lot more, but, like, famous historical ones I found in my research. This one is so good. I had, it's a little snippet of this Mm -hmm. this wonderful lady who I think we would have been very good friends with. In the Rhode Island Historical Cemetery number two, there is a gravestone of another alleged vampire, Nellie L. Vaughn, who died in 1889. 
Her grave is supposedly cursed as no plants or lichen ever grow around it. Nellie must have been a pretty bad bitch because the inscription along the bottom of her tombstone reads, I am waiting and watching for you. I know it's a little macabre. What would you oh put on your tombstone? Because that hits that's, different. That's what I want. That's I am I waiting. Want. And they were like, oh, this bitch a vampire. And she's like, oh, you think I'm a vampire? Mm-hmm. On my gravestone, bitch. I am waiting and I'm watching. I just want it to say, look behind you. Ooh, that's a very good one. Right? And by the time we die, I think we could have like holographic projections. Yeah. And like I, you press a button and you show up. And it's you're just like, some, Hi. it's like look behind you. And then I'm just like, bleh, bleh. I'm just bleh, bleh, bleh. I'm, I'm, I'm still dead. dead. I'm, I'm still, still dead. dead. Don't worry about it. Don't, I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. All right. Have fun morning. That's cute. I like that. Right? I think it's sweet. I, if I had a button on the top of my gravestone, you press it and I'd like it to be like, and two champagne glasses would pop out. One you pour for me and the other you drink. I think that's lovely. Yeah. No, no plants would grow around. It just soaked no, with champagne. soaked with alcohol. <laughs> but I think it's a fun little. I like it. Yeah, do a little champagne. Yeah, a little toasty toast. Mm-hmm. You could pick a different song. That was just the first one that came to my head. <laughs> Whoever's in charge yeah. of my burial. Put it on shuffle. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do a Spotify playlist. Put your, put it's your, mostly going to be Kesha. It's just Kesha. <laughs> but yeah, so I hope you enjoyed Tales of an Alleged Bloodsucker. I mean, there's no proof she wasn't. There isn't. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I just gave you the facts of the case. She just gave you the facts, folks. Show me the car facts. Show me the vamp facts. Ooh. Yeah, I hope you had fun and learned a little bit more about vampires and how wackadoodle crazy people were back in the day before science was a thing. People were batshit. People still are because they don't believe vaccines exist, but... Oh, yeah. As a final comment, with the whole being underground and cold thing, people were freezing meat. Like, that's, like, you knew that if you put your meat, <laughs> if you put meat into a freezer, that it would stay together. Like, it wouldn't rot. Like, they were putting stuff into, like, their little icebox things that they made into the ground during the winter. So why wouldn't they just apply that logic to a human body? Because they didn't see humans as meat. Oh. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> well, Sorry. on that note. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. But before we go, we have a promo from our friends over at Bloody Happy Hour. Hey, I'm Caroline, and this is Bloody Happy Hour, your newest true crime comedy podcast. So grab your favorite drink and join us every week for Thirsty Thursday. We promise to tell you the bloodiest stories and give you a laugh in between. Go find us, follow us, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. because guess what? We about to be sipping on some murder. But for now, we're done. But we'll see you next time across.